Hello, and welcome again to another episode of Five Plain Questions, a podcast that proposes five questions to Indigenous artists, creators, musicians, writers, movers and shakers, and culture bears, people in the community that are doing great things for their communities. I'm Joe Williams, your host for this conversation. I'm director of the Indigenous Art Programs at the Plains Art Museum. My goal is to showcase these amazing people from our Indigenous communities from around the region and country. I want to introduce you to Bobby Wilson. Bobby Dews Wilson is a Sisseton Wapiton Dakota artist, dad, and comedian based in Phoenix, Arizona. Bobby was born and raised in the Twin Cities, back when you could still smoke in Ember's family restaurant. Bobby's family bounced from motels, apartments, powwows, and shelters through his childhood, but there's an oldie saying amongst the Suya nations, shit happens. Wilson attended Creative Arts High School, where his interests in painting and poetry were heavily encouraged. He participated in youth programs, Compass Arts, in St. Paul, then rode the 16 or the I-94 of Yerkashi to Minneapolis, where he trained mural painting like a champ under Roger and Payton at Juxtaposition Arts. He painted several murals around the Twin Cities and enough graffiti to catch a couple cases. His visual art can still be seen at the Minnesota Historical Society, I think, and the Chippewa Tribes Building on Franklin. After some heavy changes that we won't get into here, go watch Smoke Signals or something, Bobby found himself alongside the 1491's comedy troupe, traveling across any country and making fun of himself for money. Now Bobby works as a writer, producer on television series like Rutherford Falls, Echo, some MCU stuff, and the Peabody award-winning series Reservation Dogs. He lives with his family, surrounded by the Odaham Nations and the urban Navajos who make really good tortillas. Did you know that Odaham homies call fry bread popovers? See, enough of that. In the editor's note, this conversation took place uh, before the writer's strike in the summer of 2023. So I wanted to note that this conversation is not a promotion of Bobby's work, but of his story. So with that said, let's jump into this conversation with Bobby Wilson. Bobby Wilson, thank you so much for joining us at Five Flying Questions. It's really great to have you here. Hey, thanks for having me. <laughs> uh, would you be able to introduce yourself? Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself, your background, and what it is that you do. Yeah. How all you little Midaki yuppies out there listening to this, mostly kids, I hear. Yeah. Better be be good. Hey, be good. Okay. No, I'm so sorry. I've I, I ruined the whole thing. Uh, <laughs> I'm Bobby Wilson, 1491s. Yeah, there you go. I'm, I'm oh yeah I'm, I'm Sisseton I'm Sisseton Dakota but uh you know I'm pretty much Navajo now I made a Navajo I'm raising one so you know what can you do <laughs> how it goes and you're down to the, the Navajo lands down south yeah oh but don't tell Autumn people that mm. get knifed <laughs> <laughs> I can safely say that from from uh the uh the Sisseton lands up here in uh, <laughs> northern plains uh so uh, you're, um, you know, you're, you're a founding member of the, the 1491s, uh, you're um, the funny a playwright. One. Yeah. <laughs> you're the funny one. Okay. Okay. Uh, <laughs> shots fired. Um, you're, <laughs> you're a playwright and a TV writer as well. Yeah. Yeah. I get to do a lot of, a lot of really fun stuff. I also bead. I also paint and do murals. Yeah. I stay Very busy. Nice. Uh, 
let's let's talk about your influences. Um, what you know, early on, we have our influences when we're younger, and uh, mm-hmm. as we're moving through our careers, there are things that are influencing us today. Uh, would you be able to to talk about that? Yeah, I mean, you know, we talk about influences. I'm going to talk about myself as uh, I know it's not traditional. It's not our way to talk about ourselves. But hey, you asked me to be here to do this, so here I am. Uh, uh, influences. So when I was a kid, I was really into uh, comic books. I was really into. Uh, I, I got a heavily into graffiti uh, as like a lifestyle, and a lot of my influences in that era were visual artists, graffiti artists like uh, Ewok, in, back in the Twin Cities where I grew up, Minneapolis and St. Paul. Um, and, uh, uh, also a now like international graffiti writer who goes by Espo actually got to get a little piece of his right up there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and these were people who had been, uh, really excelling and sort of pushing boundaries in what it meant to do graffiti stuff. And, um, in the youth program that I was in, uh, I had uh, two mentors named uh, Roger and Peyton. And they really, I mean, those are the folks that I really looked up to, I'd say the most uh, as a kid. They taught me how to paint murals, but also how to bill for murals, how to save for taxes when you get paid for stuff. Really just like uh, some things that I heard that they weren't teaching at like art school and things like that. Uh, so yeah, yeah. Uh, but then on the comedy side and the writing side, uh, I I really was mostly inspired by like uh, a lot of the work that I was seeing as a kid that made me laugh the most. And so like, um, I don't know if you ever saw the movie hot shots long time ago, some, uh, just like outlandishly stupid comedies. Um, also, like the, the the show Cheers, watched that a lot when I was a kid. <laughs> but like Monty Python, Dave Chappelle, uh, Richard Pryor, and um, uh, uh, Mel Brooks. Like that was the super inspiring stuff that really made me want to um, pursue this comedy stuff. And, um, you know, jumping into me being a member of a, a comedy troupe called the 1491s, uh, I, I ended up getting Migazy Pensino and uh, Sterling Harjo and Ryan Redcorn, Dallas Goldtooth. Those are the people I look up to now, like the most, you know, but I also really look down on them as well because we're very close friends. <laughs> <laughs> So the, um, you know, think about the, the influences, um, and sort of the, the way this has progressed, um, for comedy, uh, did you start off, um, performing or write, was writing part of that early part of that as well? How, how, how does that process work for you? Yeah, for you know, group? I mean, I know it's different for everybody cause I've met a, a lot of different types of comedians and everybody kind of has, you know, a different path and the path for me when I was in high school, I went to an arts focused high school in St. Paul called creative arts high school. Um, really small, uh, people called it ghetto art school because there was this really nice one, uh, in like the burbs that was called Perpich center for the arts. 
Yeah, Mm -hmm. totally. And so we had ghetto art school uh, where everybody, you know, had bus passes and we all knew Perpich folks had like their whole campus of like, you know, the dorms and stuff like that. Anyways, whatever. Uh, 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 Yeah, I... I got really into spoken word poetry while I was there. And so I had some really great teachers for, for that as sort of an outlet that I got really, really involved in. So I would go to like open mics uh, all over the Twin Cities, uh, the literary community and really the art community in the Twin Cities uh, is pretty, uh, I don't know, it's a very warm space, at least in my experience it has been. Uh, and so that, that became really a thing that I, uh, that I ran with, uh, well into my twenties where I was like, I I used to host an open mic. Uh, I had a lot of stage experience and while I was writing poetry, that wasn't, and, and, and performing it, reciting it, um, it, it wasn't necessarily comedy. You know, I wasn't writing funny stuff, but in between I would, I would, I would try to be like, Hey, you guys are here for a show. Hi how you doing? I'm Bobby, you know, I'd get personal or I'd like make fun of somebody's clothes. I don't know. Make fun of myself and try to get people to laugh a little bit and try to like enjoy themselves in between, you know, poetry about how terrible the government is, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, (laughs) And I, and then I met Dallas Goldtooth, sort of like the first one that I really started kind of goofing off with. Uh, we used to work at this place called Indai Young Shelter, uh, our home shelter back in St. Paul. And um, he had been making videos with his brother, Migazi, really funny ones. Um, but YouTube wasn't what it is now. You know, we didn't have smartphones really like, well, at least I didn't. I had fucking, you know, a little Nokia brick phone. And um, I remember you could like watch his stuff if you if you you know, typed it in on your computer at work or whatever. So anyways, uh, I went to Santa Fe, New Mexico, and there I first ever met uh, Red Corn and Harjo. And we became friends super quick. We stayed up uh, and did, you know, went to concerts and did all this stuff at Santa Fe Indian Market. Uh, And I, I was just blown away, you know, by everything that we were doing. It was a very new experience for me. And uh, stayed with those guys the whole time, which is insane. Uh, and then I got invited to Ryan Redcorn's wedding the next day. And so we just were friends from there. And they came up to Minnesota. We all did a video together called Wolfpack Auditions. And it got a bunch of views on YouTube. And we became Indian famous where every freaking res or truck stop that we would go to, somebody would be like, hey, Wolfpack, Wolfpack. Then we did Slapping Medicine Man, et cetera, et cetera. We did a bunch of these fun ones. And uh, uh, yeah, that's uh, uh, all of that, though. It wasn't written. You know, I had been writing things, but not like comedies and not like screenplays either. Uh, This was a whole different structure. You know, we were coming up with scenarios together and then just making it up as we went along with no regard for any type of story or backstory or explaining of anything. We were just goofing off and it was so much fun and people were responding to it so well. Other Indians that had been watching what we were up to were like, I mean, 
we were getting a lot of laughs, and it felt really good. Uh, and then we started going out, or we started getting invited to like Indian conferences, to schools. We've been to like every res now that exists, and you know whatever they call them in Canada. But uh, no, I'm just kidding. I always got to dig on Canadians for. <laughs> For whatever, just for existing. Uh, and uh, anywho, um, all of that, we had to sort of like get serious and structure things a bit so that we, because we were getting invited, we were getting paid. This was like, this became our living, some of us, you know. For me, it was like my full-time job was going on tour and doing these shows. And so we would make new videos to play in between live sketches and that's really when I started sort of uh, really thinking about writing is in terms of like, how does it, how do I organize this comedy thing that we're trying to do, you know? Um, and then we got approached after, after like 10 years of touring together, we got approached by the Oregon Shakespeare Festival. I said, we, we would like to commission you guys to write a play. And like they had watched our live set and had seen our videos, they knew who we were to, to approach us and ask us. And we're like, are you sure? We've never done anything like that before. We tried to write a TV pilot and a film script once, didn't work. Don't know how we're gonna do this. Uh, and it was fantastic. It was such a great residency. They flew us out to their campus in Southern Oregon. We each got our own separate apartment for like a month. And we just watched plays and wrote all the time together. It was really amazing. And we wrote a play called Between Two Knees. And uh, yeah, yeah, no doubt. <laughs> and I got to stick around for the rewrites. And this was the longest thing I had ever, I had ever written in a format that I wasn't super familiar with when I had started it in software that I had just never really even given a second thought to and the amount of work it was like going to boot camp to learn how to write a script i got to do rewrites every single night uh for like a month and a half straight uh up until the play actually you know came out and it was so well received it was uh, it sold out a bunch of tickets they extended the run by like a month so just to keep keep more shows going it was dope and it was such an amazing experience. And from there I was like, okay, I really need to do this all the time. I need to just, I think I need to write scripts and have these conversations that I'm having with like these creative conversations that we were having to create this piece of work. And it turns out that it's, it's just like TV writing. So uh, yeah, that's how I got into writing. Mm -hmm. I know it's mm -hmm. long. It's kind of a long story, but hey, whatever. You asked me to be here, man. That's right. That's right. This this time is yours. So, yeah. uh, you hey, yeah, it's you hours, Joe. What's that? It's hours. It's Joe. Our, yes, absolutely, absolutely. Um, so you know the 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 next question we we're moving into this is uh, how has that career developed? Um, uh, you went from performing to writing, um, but we're sort of moving to another stage now in in your career the tv show that's developed um this was 
did this start pre-pandemic? Uh, yeah. <laughs> okay. The uh, so there's there's I guess there's two here because if I want to talk about my career as a TV writer, it's Rutherford Falls and Reservation Dogs. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so Reservation Dogs, obviously crazy. What a phenomenon, uh, even from the get-go. While we were working on that play between two knees in Southern Oregon, Sterling was, uh, he, he was texting. He was nervous. He, I was, I gotta say he was, he was like trying to steady himself to get this show sold. He was going to pitch reservation dogs with Taika Waititi to FX and Taika had really kind of, you know, like, this is going to be your show, you know, like, so come up with, you know, the pitch deck, whatever, like do like there was, there was work that needed to be done in order for Sterling to take it to a network and ask them to make at least the pilot. Right. Uh, And then while we were sitting there watching this really like every day that we were rehearsing, this play was just a different kind of magic and it was really wonderful. And Sterling was, he got a text. I was sitting next to him and I heard, holy shit. And I looked over, Sterling showed me his phone and said, Taika, said, uh, I just sold our show to, to FX. Congrats, bud. We're, uh, let's get this pilot knocked out. And I was like, oh, shit. I was like, for real? He goes, he was like, I got to, I think I should. I said, yeah, yeah, get the fuck out of here. Go call that guy. <laughs> so, <laughs> You know, that became, uh, from there, like his main focus, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, to make this, to make this show happen. Um, and so he, he went off to, to finish that up. You know, we, we did this play and had a great time. And, uh, then he was like, all right, head right into this reservation dogs business, get this pilot written and, you know, let's get this off the ground. And I, you know, he was working on that. Migazi, meanwhile, had secured a job on a limited series called Barkskins, which was really good for being a historic. I I gotta say, I watched it with all my Navajo in-laws and everybody loved it. Uh it was dope. Zahn Big from uh our show. Also, you know, dark, whatever. Everybody knows who Zahn is. <laughs> <laughs> Go through his whole bio. You know the guy from Baywatch, that one, that Indian episode. <laughs> By the way, if you haven't watched Zon McLernan's Indian episode of Baywatch, please try to figure out how to watch that. Get into the. I, I, I I'm going to look that up. Yeah, I haven't seen that. <laughs> uh, anywho, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Migazi had had gotten this gig, and he was the only Indian that they had hired on that show. You know, and to the credit of that showrunner who hired him at the lowest level of writing also brought him out on set which is very unheard of for a a a new staff writer on a television series they never get to go out on set to cover episodes they flew his ass out to like rural canada to work on this show for like six months uh and it you know great for for what he was you know trying to accomplish but also meant that he wasn't around much anymore and so we knew that we were coming into this part of the 1491s 
uh, in our existence that we had sort of, not sort of, but we had planned for. We had spoken together about where does the 1491s, like what, what does this need to become? We can't just keep making YouTube videos. Mm-hmm. We had talked about getting into film, getting into television, doing this theater thing was a great step for it. Um, we want to write books, you know, comic books, novels, movies. We're doing all this different stuff, you know, uh, and that because that's been the goal uh, for years as a, as a collective to do this stuff. And uh, after the play was done, Sterling was off doing his stuff for Reservation Dogs, trying to get the pilot made. Uh, Migazi was, you know, freezing his ass off in rural Canada, making this crazy historic epic. And I was like, oh, yeah, my, my wife was about to have our baby. I was like, what am I going to do? Like, my crew that I tour with, like, I'm going to go have to get a job at Walmart. I'm going to be waving at people. I'm going to check in receipts. I won't chase them, though. That's against the law. But anyways, I was a little shook. You know, I was like, what do I do? And so I applied for uh, the uh, artisan or not artisan residence. Uh, I had already been that at uh, IAIA. I wanted their low residency master's program in screenwriting. So I said, I got to make this happen. I got to keep this going. And they denied me, bro. They rejected my application. I wrote like a two page thing. I was like, you guys teach the work, the comedy work that I do. You guys have shown it in your classes, in your media classes. I have a mural on your big ass wall there. I've been a guest speaker numerous times over the years let me get this, this, uh, this will help me out. You know, I, but I have never been to college. I've never been to a day of college in my life. Uh, yet, you know, and to toot my own horn in this space, uh, you know, I got a mural at freaking Yale. I've been all over the place, you know, talking about the work that I do in academia. And so I'm like, help me out hook me up. I will also accept an honorary master's. I'm not going to ask for a PhD. I'm not greedy. <laughs> anyway, yeah, I got denied. I got denied for it. And I was like, I got, I got a little bit depressed. I was like, man, what am I going to do? Like, how do I get on a TV show like this? And then Sierra Teller Ornelas hit me up on Instagram and said, I always laugh at your Instagram posts. Uh, and I'm good friends with Sterling and Migazee. Are you, do you write? Do you want to submit like a writing sample to me for a show that I'm going to be doing? I said, hell yeah, of course I want to do that. So I, you know, sent her my stuff. I had a meeting with her and Ed Helms on Zoom. Uh, and then on November 3rd, 2019 Florida Seminoles brought the 1491s out and we did our last uh, in-person comedy show together. And that morning I woke up in some crazy ass little, they put us out in some huts. Not they, I, We thought they were going to put us in, you know, the hard rock casino. <laughs> we're like, Oh yeah, we're going to the, uh, you know, they, no, they took us out to the res and put us in a shack. <laughs> and I woke up, I checked my, I checked my, uh, my email and I had a message from Sierra saying that, uh, I was going to get, I'm going to get hired on her show 
and then I need to get at least a Hollywood lawyer to negotiate my contract. And that it was it was amazing. It was you know a life changing moment. You know, from then on, and we had no idea the pandemic was going to happen just a few months later. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, you know, uh, and from then I've just been writing on shows and selling my own shows and just been fully involved in that aspect of uh, of my arts career. And now we're on strike, so I'm back to doing illustrations and beadwork and stuff. Oh, no. <laughs> but you don't have student debt. No, I do not. Got a mortgage, though. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know the the fourteen ninety ones are, uh, of course, legendary status to all of us. You know, and so there's always this hope that, um, like. <laughs> it's always like uh, the hope, like um, uh, kids in the hall, you know, that you, you all come back and you'll do something. But there was a post, I, I think Dallas did a post or someone, because the question came up, what happened to the 1491s? What happened to the 1491s? <laughs> and he's like, we're, we're still here. We're still doing it. We're just we doing television still, now. Yes. We are still here. Evolving. Okay. Evolving. Put that on a t-shirt. Yes. <laughs> so, yeah, that's oh, so and we, we've kind of been covering this, but, you know, how have opportunities changed? Uh, how, how do they present themselves to you um, from early mm-hmm. on to what's happening now? Oh, well, you know, I mean, big difference. I, I really had a leg up because of the youth programming that was available to me in the Twin Cities as a kid. Uh, and so. I had folks who were very much uh, like my mentors were like, you gotta, you gotta go out and you've got to like put, put work in if you want this to be like your living that like, if this is what you're, you're trying to make your primary, you know, source of income in life as an artist, like you've got to just be out there doing work and stuff. So uh, a lot of that was really sought out initially and so even like when we first did 1491s, I was, I had like a summer mural project at Little Earth of United Tribes housing projects in Minneapolis. I had like, I was, I was going around teaching these uh, spoken word uh, classes and workshops. I was applying for grants and stuff like that. So that's all the stuff that I was doing to sustain myself at the time that I had first uh, joined up with the 1491s before we even had a name for what we were doing. Um, and so when we started the 1491s and we made these videos and they became really popular, things actually got a lot easier to where people started just reaching out to us over the internet. And uh, when I say people, I mean like, uh, like tribal entity, people who worked for all of these different programs around the country started just uh, reaching out to us via social media um, and asking us how much we would charge to do a live show. And that's, and that actually is what spurned us to be like, Oh, well, you know, YouTube doesn't pay us anything. We're getting maybe like a hundred bucks a month and that's a pretty tiny drum split for five dudes. Uh, we were like, yeah, let's figure this out. Let's like talk to other people. Like I know 
folks who go on tour. They know folks like, what should we be charging? Or, you know, what does that actually look like? How do we respond to this? And so we started like our own email account, 1491s at Gmail. And um, at some point, uh, we even had a manager who would like organize that stuff for us. And that was at like the height of us touring our homegirl April. Uh, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I guess when we just stayed on it and as also it helps to have like a crew of people who are all, you know, holding each other accountable, but also like making sure that everybody is being treated sort of fairly in terms of like money for what we were doing. Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. And, uh, now that. Well, now the now, right. You, you had brought up now, now I have, now I have like a manager and I, I, I start to get all like, you know, I have a manager, I have agents, I have a lawyer and like, I, I basically, I have like a team, they all call it. Mm -hmm. Uh, when you're, when you're in this business, baby, no, um, (laughs) yeah, I have like my, my Hollywood team who, hooks me up. And so like, uh, the things that I do now, uh, I try to sell shows, my own ideas or like collaborative ideas with other writers. Um, I have a couple projects with Sterling that we've sold together. Um, yeah, I have a, 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 and that's how I get the work now. That's what keeps it steady. And so right now I, so I, that's, what's dope though for me is like, I get to be here in this room in Phoenix, Arizona. And then my agents, my manager, they like hook me up with meetings. I get to meet with production companies at Netflix, Hulu, or all these different places, you know? And the whole point is for them to be like, you know, ask me some creative questions, ask me what I'm working on. And then if it's something they're interested in, then they'll be like, well, what would that look like if, you know, and so then, largely what my day consists of creatively is uh, mapping out sort of uh, like pitches for TV shows. And then I go in and if they don't like it, meh, they're lost. You That's know? right. That's yeah, right. They're lost. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I've had some really great success uh, in the, in sort of the background of things of selling TV shows and uh, film scripts, which has been, you know, it's dope. <laughs> means I don't that's have wild. to go anywhere to also. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's wild. The you know, <laughs> Rutherford Falls, Rutherford Falls, sorry. Um, as, as a native um, curator and art manager or a manager for um, within a, a museum. Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> I, I relate to uh, Jana's character uh, mm-hmm. on a whole different level, you know? Um, and so that, that show was, pure joy i'm so disappointed it, it didn't get picked up for another season um yeah season loss. three would have been a lot of fun i think yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Mm. yeah. yeah. fan but, fiction is all, all in my heart now <laughs> fan fiction <laughs> with with um reservation dogs uh you know my wife uh, she's um uh, northern cheyenne and it's it's not often she and i will find a show that we sort of agree on and, and we'll watch uh, <laughs> but this show it feels like we're watching our relatives you know it it doesn't feel 
it, it, you know, as natives, we know what we're being, we're, we're being pandered to by a TV show. You know, we know sort of when there's a wink and a nod. And th- this show, it is so legitimate. And you feel, we know that who wrote this came from our communities, you know, the, the inside jokes, the sort of the little nods to us. Um, it, it feels more real than anything I've seen in a long, long time. And so it's, it's just been such, um, such an important show for, for everyone. So what would you want to say to the 18 to 22 year old, uh, listening to this conversation, the, the young Raven, uh, that that you were at one point. <laughs> oh my god! Oh, I don't know, man. I it's always hard to. Uh, I've done a shitload of youth work in my life. I've taught a lot of youth classes. I have been in youth programs, and it's always really you know. I know everybody's going through it, and being a young person, being you know a teen. the expectations are so mixed up and people don't know each other's situations. Everybody's got something going on, man. But, you know, just realize that everybody's life is a little bit hard at the very least. It's tough being human. Are you kidding me? There's like stuff falling out of our noses and like we drool on ourselves. I'm 38 years old and I still inhale my own spit sometimes, and it puts me in a coughing frenzy where my eyes are feel like they're going to fall out, you know? 38 years old, you still do that, you know? It so it gets it, worse. It, it gets worse. It does not get easier, guys. But that's, you know, everybody feels that way. It's not, not, just, not just one person. So, you know, be respectful, you know, to people and try to be patient. But don't take any shit either. <laughs> and whatever it is that you're trying to do, if you're, if any, okay, if any kids are listening to this, you probably into art. Just do the work. Just go ahead and don't be a douche about it because it's not like that special of a thing that you can do. Okay. Everybody can do it. They got fucking cave paintings, guys. Come on. So, uh, yeah, just have fun with it, though. Have fun with it. This is, this is your life. Moksha Ake, mother lovers, tip your weight staff if you can. That's brilliant. <laughs> That's brilliant. So what do, you, what do you have going on now? What's what's next for you? Oh, man, I'm having fun right now. Uh, I'm planning out a mural to paint back in the east side of St. Paul. Uh, it's, uh, hopefully I get to paint it in the fall. I've been mapping it out. And, you know, the organization I'm working with is getting the permits all together for it. So that's going to be fun. Uh, to do. Uh, right now, I'm actually writing a story for She-Hulk, uh, the comic books. Uh, so I'm getting a lot more involved in, uh, you know, that space, writing writing fun comic book stories. That is yeah. awesome. No holds that barred, awesome. man. That is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, uh, where, can, where can the listener find your work? Oh, find my work on uh, Instagram, Bobby Dews. Bobby Dews. At sign Bobby Dews. We'll, we'll put a link in the show notes. Yeah, please do. Well, I post there sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> Bobby, this was fantastic. Thank you so much for, for uh, this conversation and being a part of this. This was really great. Oh, thank you, Joe. Thanks for having me, man. I, I 
It's a very enriching part of my day. That's awesome. It's only what, 9.30, 10 o'clock? 10, o'clock 10 here, yeah. You got the whole day ahead of you. Got the whole day to ruin it. Yeah. And that does it for this episode of Five Plain Questions. I want to thank Bobby again for his time and sharing his story with us. It is an absolute joy to work with comedians on this podcast. Uh, the bio that you uh, listened to me speak at the beginning of it was written by Bobby. <laughs> it's, it's just it's wonderful. You know, Bobby has the story of a lot of youth that grow up in our communities and try to figure themselves out. Has, I think, direction. At least they, they trust in their direction and they really push it and they really work for it. And I know it's, it's a story that is a lot similar to a lot of the creatives that have been on this podcast, but that's just to do the work, to, to put the time in and to trust yourself. Bobby didn't have the opportunities to, to go to college and was denied the opportunity for higher education uh, for, for whatever their justifications were, and yet is the person that they go to as an example of a great writer. And I think he's one of those examples that the good ones just do the work and have that intuition and that drive. And you see it, you know, whether it's on YouTube with all the 1491's videos or his writing on television. The, the man is doing the work and he's killing it. And I couldn't be more happy uh, to have him on this podcast. And so, yeah, you know, my geeking out of this amazing comedy troupe so I really appreciate being able to spend time with Bobby and having a few laughs. Like most of the best episodes that I've had, the conversations before and after the official interview that takes place are actually kind of longer than the interview themselves. And I know it's kind of a humble break, but we, we had a great conversation before and after and we're able to connect familiar names and all that. So any which way, Bobby, thank you for, for this. This really meant a lot to me. And I'm really glad you were able to share your story with, with our audience. So thank you for that. And like the the last few weeks, I wanted to note that to support the writers and the actors and the the creatives that are out there doing the work that are on strike right now because they're not getting appropriate wages and respect from the studios, I ask you to go to www.wgacontract2023.org backslash strike dash hub. From there, you'll be able to find information and support these artists and writers that they very well need and we need too because we need them to get back to work and start creating for our consumption and get a break from reality tv and get us back in our homes and so i also want to thank you for joining us and spending your time listening to what i feel is a very important story and perspective from our community so please join us next time as we speak with another I'm Joe Williams. You can find me on our Facebook page, our Instagram page at Five Plain Questions Podcast, or at the PlainsArt.org website. There you can see our programming, past videos, and these podcasts. If you have a suggestion for someone from Eden, please look me up and reach out to me. I'd really like to hear from you. Well, that's it. Uh, we will see you next time. You take care. This has been an Eleven Warrior Arts production.